just as I was listening to uh, all of their songs like you were and, and uh, in our own hearts worshiping God. You can't help but worship God when you listen to that and you sing along. But uh, it's very interesting how God works and how he's already um, prepared people's hearts. You know, every song they sang really was about the sovereignty of God. It was about worshiping a sovereign God. And one thing that I'm learning and have learned and am continuing to learn is when we understand something of the sovereignty of God, we can't help but worship Him. Uh, it's impossible for us to do that. Um, we're going to continue this morning uh, along in our series of Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And that's where we're going to continue on this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning, please grab them and uh, turn with me. And we're actually going to be in the Old Testament this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 46. So if you have your Bible handy there, please flip over to Isaiah chapter 46. And we're really going to spend the bulk of our time in uh, the middle part of the chapter. But as we, as we come to prayer and as we think about prayer, and we've talked about the perspective of prayer, we're going to be moving into, which we did last week, about the person of prayer as Jesus gave his disciples this model of prayer and uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, also in Luke chapter 11, we're going to also look at the purpose of prayer, the provision of prayer, the pardon of prayer, the protection of prayer, and then the power of prayer. But I, I, I know it to be true that for any of us to understand and have a proper perspective of prayer and to know anything of the person of prayer, which we know is God, we need to know something of his sovereignty for us to be able to understand that. So this morning, we're going to look at the sovereignty of God. And if you would, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would please, God, give us ears to hear, Lord. And uh, Lord, help us to, to understand this morning, Lord, what your sovereignty means. Lord, I want to thank you that you are the one true sovereign God. That, Lord, you rule and you reign over absolutely everything. Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone that's here this morning, that, Father, you would give us a perspective of your sovereignty, um, an understanding of, of a limited amount of your person and who you are in your sovereignty, Lord. And, Lord, I just ask, God, that you would use this in our life, Lord, to, to, to grow us and to show us, Father, why prayer is so important, why prayer is so powerful, and why, God, you are sovereign in all things. And, Lord, I ask that you would do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do want to start off by mentioning that we do have a white sky on outside with your lights on. I know that's a downer, but that's the truth. Somebody gave me that message. So if your lights are on and you drive a white sky on, um, I wouldn't get up either. But uh, uh, just letting you know. All right. Yeah. That was cold, wasn't it? That was. But I do want to say this this morning. Uh, first of all, we're glad you're here. We do have something going every single week for the next three months here at Texoma Cowboy Church. Going to two services, obviously, and then arena events going on. While this, this service will be going on, we'll have arena events going on. Everything from, from roping to ranch bronc riding to, to youth buckouts to you name it, barrel racing. There's going to be events going on with the purpose of bringing people here to hear about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and letting meet some people who love Jesus. So... Uh, please be praying about that. Make sure you attend our Wild West Fest this afternoon for a great time as well. But one thing I want to start off with is that we cannot approach the sovereignty of God 
with anything in our own perspective, in our own ideals. We, we, we cannot. When it comes to the sovereignty of God, I can't come to God and put within him my own ideas of who his sovereignty and what his sovereignty is, what it means. Um, it's impossible for me to do that. For when we create our, our own little opinions and ideas of God, we immediately begin to create our own version of who God is. It happens to every single one of us. We, everyone in here has got an idea of who God is. In fact, God has shown something of his sovereignty just alone in creation. So we have some ideas about who this sovereign God of the universe is. But I have to be very careful that when I approach God in his sovereignty of who he is, that I don't come to him with my own views and my own opinions about what it means for God to be sovereign. Because I have no idea. I have no concept and the truth is, in many Christian circles today, we have created, if you will, a very weak, limited, tiny, pathetic view of the one true sovereign God of the universe. Our view of God will always remain a creation of our own making unless we come to his word and allow God to teach us as he tells us who he is. And you're not going to be able to come to any understanding of his sovereignty unless you go to his word. Because in his word, he has told us something of who he is in his sovereignty. Now, this word sovereignty is simply a word that means to be chief or supreme. A, the supreme ruler, if you will. That means there's no one above. There's no one greater. There's no one uh, that would even compare that God is above all things. He is supreme in absolutely everything. It simply is this. That when I say that God is sovereign, I'm simply telling you that he is God. That's what it means for him to be sovereign. And so the Bible has a lot to say about his sovereignty. And I would wager that really everybody in here already has a perception of what they think about God, about who he is, about what he can do, what he won't do. You already have your parameters already built in your mind. But the Bible gives us much here on the sovereignty of God. And today we're going to begin to hopefully unwrap some of these things. It'll take us a few weeks to get through this, but I hope this will be a great blessing. And if you can ever grasp even the, the minutest amount of the sovereignty of God, it will change your entire life. It will give you exactly everything you need to understand about living here on this earth. By the way, you and I were created for God's pleasure and God's glory. That's why you were created. And you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God in his sovereignty before the foundation of the world already knew you. And we're going to learn more about that next week. So follow along with me in Isaiah chapter 46 starting in verse 9. He's now speaking this before any of these things ever happened. This is part of God's sovereignty. Before the nation of Israel ever went into captivity in Babylon, God already through the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah told that these things were going to happen. Because the nation of Israel would not stop worshiping man-made gods. They wouldn't stop. 
So God says, since you become rebellious and you've become wicked and you're building high places and you're worshiping Baals and you're worshiping the gods of the people of the land you're in, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to discipline you and I'm going to send you into captivity. And God even said, by the way, the Babylonians are going to be the ones who are going to come get you. Oh, and by the way, the name of the king that's going to be ruling Babylon when this happens, he's not born yet, but let me tell you his name. His name's Nebuchadnezzar. And so God, through the prophet Isaiah here, is telling them 150 years before any of these things happened, God says through prophet Isaiah, this is what's going to take place. That is a sovereign God. Already he's, he's telling them what will happen. And he says this now as he's speaking through Isaiah. He says, remember the former things, those of long ago. He said, I am God. And there is no other. That is point blank, period. God says there is no other God. I am the only God. Then he moves on and says, I am God, once again. And there is none like me. Listen to this. In verse 10 he says, I make known the end from the beginning. In other words, God says, listen, I make known what's going to happen in the very end from the very beginning. God's already given us in his own word things that are coming and are going to happen here in the future. He's done this throughout the whole timeline of creation. God has already set things and he has plans and he has purposes and no man will thwart the will or plan of God. It will not happen. It's never going to happen. Why? Because he is God. That's why. And he makes known the very end. He tells us in the book of Revelation and other places throughout Scripture, things that are yet to come. And they're going to happen, by the way, because he is God and he said it's going to happen. That is true. Christians, you do not need to white-knuckle your way through every day. If you know God, he is sovereign. He is sovereign. We need not fear anything because he is God and he is sovereign in everything in life. He says from ancient times, he does this from what is still to come. He's done this over and over through scripture as you study and read scripture and even those things yet to come. He prophesied the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ way before, here in Isaiah, before Christ ever came. He, he even prophesied it, as we learned in Daniel, absolutely everything. He's already told the four kingdoms of the world what they would be, starting with the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. Those are the only four empires that will be from that point until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're living in the days of the Roman Empire. Why? Because God said it. It's going to be that way. Then he says this, I say, my purpose will stand. See, it seems like to me in Christianity today, there's a lot of people that have this view of God that somehow God is desperately just trying his dead level best to save someone with the gospel. That God is somehow trying to keep this chaotic world somehow held together and he's sweating bullets because it's just so chaotic. It's not true. God is doing absolutely everything he wills and desires, period. 
And let me say this about free will, and we'll get into this. Yes, does man have free will? We have free will, but I'll say this. No man's free will is stronger than the sovereignty and the power of God to save a man. It's not possible. It ain't possible. It's not possible for that to take place. Now listen, he goes on from there and says this. I will do all that I please. Wow. That's, From the east, I summon a bird of prey. Isn't that something? From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. You remember the story about Pharaoh. He says, I raised him up in order that my name might be proclaimed and my power might be demonstrated in him. He said, by the way, you need to know something. The nation of Israel is going to go off into captivity. They're going to be in Egypt for 400 years. Only started out with 12. The 12 brothers. And 430 years later, what happens? He raises up. He says, in the fourth generation, I will raise up someone. You know who it was, the fourth generation? It was Moses. God says, I'm going to build me a great nation while they're in Egypt. And then I'm going to come and set my people free. I'm going to send Moses, a man in the fourth generation, and he will set my people free. See, God is sovereign in absolutely everything. Everything. Completely. He says, from a far off land, I will have a man fulfill my purposes. Listen to me. No king is on the throne anywhere in the world outside of the sovereignty of God. It's not happening. It's not happening. What I have said, listen to this, I will bring about. Now listen, we all have good intentions, but I'm going to let you know something. I don't always get done what I say I'm going to get done. God says, whatever I say I'm going to do, it will happen. That's sovereignty. You see what I'm saying? That's supreme. That is amazing to think that. He says, what I have planned, that will I do. That's the truth. God here through the prophet Isaiah who is telling Israel's coming judgment. We talked about this, that this was going to take place. And this is going to happen. And here's go, who's going to do this. In fact, he even said this. If you study Daniel, Daniel begins in chapter 9 to, to read Jeremiah, the prophet here. You can read Jeremiah. It's here in your Bible in the Old Testament. And he's been in captivity now for nearly 70 years, Daniel has been. He says, I learned from the prophet Isaiah that the captivity of the people of God was only going to last 70 years. And in fact, Isaiah even gives the name of the king who's going to come and set the Israelites free from Babylonian captivity. Do you know what the king's name was? Cyrus. It's in scripture. Long before it ever happened. And guess who it was that did that? Boy, it must have been luck that a man by the name of Cyrus was born in that generation. And he became king. No, God's plan will not be thwarted by no man. It's not happening. See, we have far too small of a view of God. Most Christians, their view of God is someone that they could fit in that tank. We put parameters around God and says, oh God, you can't, you, you won't, you this, you that. We put parameters around God. Listen, the heavens, the Bible says, are his footstool. You hear me? You and I can't put God in a box. Can't happen. How big is your God? 
How big is he? I am God and there is no other. He is supreme. He is sovereign. He is the chief being of the universe. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth. Things that you can see, things that you cannot see. All things, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. Listen to this. Not only through him have all things been created, but they're created for him. That's powerful. He is before all things. He is before all things. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is awesome. That's who God is. That's his sovereignty. Isn't that amazing? God is sovereign over all creation. God is an absolute authority. He's an absolute control of everything, whether the angel armies of heaven, Satan and the demons of hell, and all creation on earth, kings and rulers and kingdoms, every minute detail in the universe, God is sovereign over everything. That's what the Bible tells us. That's amazing, isn't it? Our society's greatest minds and the institutions of our learning would have you and I believe that everything about our existence in the entire universe is nothing more than a colossal accident. Did you hear what he said earlier about evolution? He says, when I'm up in British Columbia and I watch the northern lights, I'm blown away at the glory and the splendor of God in the heavens. It's true. But our institutions of learning are going to tell you and tell your kids and tell our society and the minds out there who are all into everything are going to tell you how all this is, that this is nothing more than an accident, that this is nothing more than a cosmic belch. That's all it is, a cosmic belch. Boom! And this all just happened. Isn't that interesting? This all came from nothing. Did you know that they tell you, they believe this, that you and I came from nothing? That we are here for no purpose. And that when you die, you simply cease to exist. Isn't that interesting? So what's the point of all this? There is none. There is none according to those who teach this. <clears throat> you mean to tell me this? This is a question that I have. That this earth that we live on, which is nothing more than a fiery ball of magma. Did you know that? Wrapped in water and wrapped in dirt. That's all this planet is. The core of the earth is 10,000 plus degrees. It is the same temperature of the sun that is 90 million miles away. And you and I walk on the crust of this thing. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. By chance, without any purpose is full of everything that is needed for a balanced ecosystem and millions of plants and creatures and animals and mankind equally sustaining all the above is simply a result of an accidental cosmic belch. They got more faith than I have. That this ball that we call earth that is held by gravity in place, think about this globe we live on. It is held by the parameters that God set in place and he said you will stay right here. 
and gravity holds everything, and this earth stays within its orbit. It stays on its axis. It does everything perfectly, not because of some accidental explosion, but because the sovereign God says, you will stay right there. That's why. Did you know that the earth that we are on right now, sitting here, anybody having problems with being dizzy at the moment? No, we are spinning 1,000 miles per hour. This earth is rotating at 1,000 miles an hour while you and I sat here. Oh, that just happened. That just happened. The earth's circumference is 24,901 miles at the equator, spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. And the earth is traveling in its orbit at 67,000 miles per hour. It is spinning. And if it was lopsided or jacked up in any way, this thing would be like a flat tire on a rim. You hear me? Good luck. You ever run a jackhammer? Sit on that one for a while. But it spins at 1,000 miles per hour. It stays in its orbit around the sun, traveling at the rate of 67,000 miles per hour, located 90,000, 90 million miles away from the sun. And yet you'll walk outside this afternoon and you'll feel the heat of the sun and say, thank you, Lord, for this nice warm temperature, unless you live in Canada, right? You'll thank him for that. It'll ripen your tomatoes. You hear what I'm saying? Listen to what I'm telling you. That if we were any closer to the sun, poof, incineration. If we were any further away from the sun, ice age would be real. And this is all just an accident. Do you see the problem? God, in his, did you know that within our solar system, Earth, out of every planet in our solar system, is the only planet with the name that is not named after a Roman or Greek god. Did you know that? Every planet in our solar system is named after a Roman god or a Greek god, but for some reason they don't understand where the name Earth even came from. Thousands of years ago, when Moses wrote these things in the Pentateuch, do you know the word earth is actually mentioned in the first chapter of Genesis? It's very interesting that God's creation looks out on creation, and they name creation after false gods. Is that not interesting? They're pagan gods. They're gods of, 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 of pagan religions. They're made-up mind games in the eyes and in the mind of people. Look them up. It's all man-made names for these planets. That's what happens when, guys, when men won't recognize the sovereignty of God. They take the role of God, and, and then they put their own creation name on all these things. It's not true. The sovereignty of God means that God knows the end from the beginning in all creation. This big word is omniscient. That means God is all-knowing. There is nothing that God does not know. Nothing. He does not need me to inform him of anything. 
He's omniscient. When it comes to his creation, he is omnipotent. That's just a big word that means he is all-powerful. All-powerful. You have to understand this, Christian, when it comes to prayer, and we've been invited, which blows my mind in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, when the disciple says, teach us to pray, he says, he starts out this way, our Father. See, this blows my mind, that this omnipotent, sovereign, omniscient, omnipresent God, I have been invited because of Christ Jesus to call this God my Father. And then he goes on and says, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because on one hand I call him Father, but on the other hand I say, Oh God, you are sovereign of all creation. It's incredible. It's incredible. Maybe the reason we don't pray is because we don't understand the sovereignty of God. Maybe the reason we don't pray is because the God that we've created and put within our own medicine bag on our horse is so small, he couldn't get anything done if you had five of them working together on one of your problems. That's not the sovereignty of God. The reason we have trouble worshiping God is because the God in our mind is so small, he's so little. That's why I don't like any picture of Jesus on a wall anywhere. Because I don't want to give some kid an idea of what we think Jesus looks like. I don't want to do that. I want to know what his sovereignty is. I come to his word and he tells me of his sovereignty. He's all-knowing. Ephesians 1 says God chose us in Christ. Listen to this. God chose you in Christ. Listen. Before the foundation of the world. Bob, God chose you before the foundation of the world, man. Jeremiah chapter 1 blows my mind. You read that one for a while. He tells Jeremiah, I knew you before I ever formed you in the womb of your mother. God says, I already knew you. That is intimacy. I knew you. Not only that, Jeremiah. Not only did I know you before the foundation of the world. Not only did I know you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I am a sovereign God. Listen to what I did. I set you apart, Jeremiah, before the foundation of the world that you might be a prophet to the nations. See, God already did this in his mind. It's all done. It's all happened. It's incredible. Sovereignty of God. Wow, it's amazing. Can you tell I get excited about this? God knows the end from the beginning. Christian, listen to me. He is not punting in the fourth inning, fourth quarter, excuse me. I've watched too many baseball games later, and I wish they would punt. He's not punting. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's not going to have to shake his head on the sideline and go, good night, we're going to get three points out of this one instead of seven. No. God's plans will not be thwarted, period. It will happen. He'll use a man for this, one for that. His glory, his purpose, his design, his plan. He will do what he will do. That's true. Say, well, John, what's the point in free will? We'll get to that next week. So come back, right? Romans eleven thirty three 33 says this. The depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And the paths beyond tracing out. 
Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has counseled God? I've tried. You know he laughs at me. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next 10 seconds. But I'm going to counsel God. Hmm. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? God says, who has ever given to me that I'm in debt to him? I'm God. I'm sovereign. For from him and through him and for him are all things. Are you seeing all this picture? We were created for his glory. That is your purpose. You're created for the glory of God. Wow. Fourth thing is nothing will thwart the plan of God. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? That's found in Isaiah 14, 27. By, by the way, at the end of time, the nations of the world are going to gather around this little country that we know is the hub of all this chaos going on in the world by the name of what? Israel. The kings of the earth are going to gather around little Israel, the side of New Hampshire. And they're going to come. And they're going to do their best to conquer and take over Israel. But guess what's going to happen? The God, the sovereign God of the armies of heaven, along with you and I. The Bible says we will be coming with him. and He will fight for Israel. There ain't going to be no action. A word will be spoken. It'll all be done. Is that the God you serve? Is that the God you struggle to worship? Is that the God you struggle praying to? Is that the God you struggle with? The sovereignty of God means that he is in total control of all things, past, present, future. Nothing happens that is out of his knowledge or control. All things are either caused by him or allowed by him for his purpose and through his perfect will and timing. He is the only absolute omnipotent ruler of the universe and is sovereign in creation, providence, and redemption. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he simply is God. That's what it means. Let me read just something to you. I've got about two minutes here. Job. You all read Job. Some of you thought it was Job when you first got saved. <laughs> Be honest. You aren't alone. Job. God had allowed some things to happen in Job's life. Let me say this. How many of you like cookies? I do. Somebody asked me today if I was gaining weight. I'm like, what in the world? What? My wife asked me that yesterday. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm getting heavy. How many of you like the taste of baking soda? Oh, that's nasty. How about sugar? Oh, buddy, give me some brown sugar. Mm. But how many of you like them when they're mixed together? in the dough oh let me just eat the dough stop the bacon forget the time I'll eat the dough you hear what I'm saying but listen to this this is the sovereignty of God God either directly wills it or allows it in our life and if something's happening to you it has to go through the sovereign God of the universe before it ever comes to you you need to understand that now listen to me we don't like the baking soda. We don't like the baking soda. I don't either. I want the brown sugar. 
But when you mix them together, the good and the bad, God does something that only he can do. And Romans 8 tells us this, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you want a cookie, you're going to have to have the bitter and the good sweet. That's the only way you're going to have a cookie, a good tasting cookie. Some of y'all bring me some with baking soda only. I know that's what's going to happen. All right, we've got to wrap this thing up because we've got an event coming up. It's going to be great for our families, people, that hopefully have some more people come from our community. But anyway, listen to this. So Job has struggled with some things with God. Like, God, why would you allow these things to happen in my life? Have you ever been, are you there? You ever ask God that? I don't understand. Well, listen, God knows we don't understand, but listen to what he says. Job pretty much counsels God on something about all these things. Now, I'm going to read this real quick because I know we've got to go. Listen to this. I won't read it all because, anyway, here we go. The Lord answered Job out of the storm. Mm. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me, God says. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation, Job? Tell me if you understand who marked off the dimensions. Surely you know, Job. Who stretched the measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels of heaven, millions, shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind its doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set the doors and bars in place? And when I said, Job... To the seas, this far you may go and no further. Here is where you pound your waves. They ain't going any further. God set a limit on the ocean. You won't go any further. That's it. Listen to this. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it may take the earth by the edges and shake out the wicked. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the spring of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this, Job. What is the way to the abode of light, and where does darkness reside? Can you take me to these places? Do you know the paths of their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. Sarcasm. You have lived so many years, Job. Have you entered the storehouse of snow or seen the storehouses of hell, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts the channel for the torrent of rain and the path for the thunderstorm? To water the land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost of the heavens? Who waters uh, when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth constellations in their season or lead a bear and its cub out in spring? 
Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourselves with a flood of water? Do you, spend, do you send out the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report back to you? Here I am, Job. We, who, endowed, who, who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom uh, to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of heaven when the dust becomes hard and the clods of the earth stick together? Do you hunt prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch at their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its youngs cry out to God and wander about the lack of food? Do you know where the mountain goat gives birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. The young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes? I gave him the wasteland as his home, the salt flats as his inhabitant. He laughs at the commotion in town. He does not hear a driver's shout. He ranges the hills for his pasture and searches for every green thing. I'm going to skip down here because I like this part. Verse 19 and 39. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, stirring terror with his proud snorting? He paws fiercely, rejoicing in his strength and charges into the fray. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side along with the, the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, he snorts. Aha! He catches the scent of battle from afar, the shout of commanders and the battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings toward the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? He dwells on cliffs to stay there at night. A rocky crag is his stronghold. From there he seeks out his food. His eyes detect it from afar. His young ones feast on blood. And where the slain are, there is he. We can go on and on and on. God is sovereign. How big is your God? Would he fit in that guitar case? Because if he does, he's not sovereign. See, the only way we know anything of the sovereignty of God is we come to the sovereign God's word. Christian, I know you're here this morning, some of you, and you may struggle with some things. Y'all can go, they're going to get hamburgers ready. What's going on in your life that's too big for you? But it's not even a stretch of anything for the sovereign God. You need to hear this and know this as we close. God either wills or allows all things in my life, the good and the bad, all for his glory, all for his purpose, all for his kingdom, all for his reign. That is why I am here. If you live by life's motto here on earth in this kingdom, listen, you came from nothing. 
You have no purpose in even being here because you're here today, gone tomorrow, and if you die tomorrow, you are nothing. That is a lie from the pits of hell. There's a sovereign God who knew you before he ever formed you in your mother's womb. You say, you don't know how I was created. It doesn't matter. God already knew. See, I'm illegitimate. There is no thing as an illegitimate child. Zero. You matter to God. He created you for purpose far greater than grinding out a 40-hour week building a passing away kingdom. He created you for his absolute enjoyment and his glory. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. That's what he is. Let's pray. Oh, God. I don't even know what to pray or how to say. You're an amazing God. Lord, I pray that we would search your word, seek your counsel when it comes to who you are. God, you are incredible. And Lord, there's some people here today that they're going through some of the baking soda in life. And God, it doesn't taste very good, and they don't like it very well. Oh, God, you are sovereign. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would pour your love into our hearts, God, that you would help us to understand, God, that you are in control of absolutely every minute detail. You're omnipresent. You're all places at all time. God, you are everything, everywhere as far as your being. You know everything, God. You are all-powerful, and Lord, you are orchestrating things in our life, and we can trust you, God, because you are God, and we are not. So, Lord, help us to understand your sovereignty. Oh, God, we cannot help but praise you because of you're worthy of our praise, God. If there's anyone here this morning that has never trusted in Christ, the, 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 the Son of God, that God in his sovereignty came and provided a way to be made right with you. God, I pray today that you spoke in people's hearts today, that they would have heard you, and that, Father, today they will submit to you, that they will give their life to you, that they will repent and turn from this life, and they would follow after you, God, that you would do this work of salvation in their heart, Lord, and, Father, you would save them today. For the rest of us, Lord, help us to hold on to the sovereignty of God in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.